Hey, Stranger Rangers, this is Bree. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. Um, happy Easter. Happy well, Jesus Zombie Day. Yeah. <laughs> he is risen. Yes. <laughs> well, you guys will be hearing this the day after Easter, but I hope everyone had a good one for those of you that celebrate. We were supposed to have sun this weekend, but it's raining, so that's right. Poor yeah. kids on their Easter egg hunt. We're supposed to maybe, maybe get sunshine, I think, next Sunday, which I'm very much looking forward to. Because I'm over it. They're just picking up some soggy eggs. So- or potatoes like we talked oh about gosh, last night. Yes. Yeah, rumor is on the street that eggs are so expensive right now that people are or were dying potatoes. <laughs> and when I went to the grocery store yesterday, there was like no potatoes. And thank God I didn't need to buy any. But I was like, oh, my God, this is like maybe a real thing right now. This is crazy. So what are they doing? Are they, are they peeling them and dyeing them? Uh, gosh, just, I don't know. You just throw them in some paint, roll them around. Maybe. Yeah, just chuck them in your <clears throat> Easter egg dye and leave and, the skin on. I don't know. And then what? Like, go ahead. Oh, all right, kids, there's your lunch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Rainbow potato salad after the potato egg hunt. But, yeah, okay. I guess. I mean, the shape is good. The, the shape is good. I mean, I mean, especially if you get those like little round yeah. creamer potatoes. Yes. The littlest of kids probably would not. They wouldn't know the difference. They wouldn't know the difference. They just want to make things fun colors. So I yeah. think whatever they can dye, they'll be That's happy so with. Funny. But yeah, it was super, super bizarre. Have been trying to be on this holiday theme for these cases, and I blew it by missing St. Patrick's Day, and oh. so I was like, <laughs> I am not missing Easter. Let's see what comes up, and I was thrilled to find a pretty juicy case that happened on Easter, and no, Weird. it does not have to do with Jesus. Oh, damn. I know. Okay. Sorry. We're not going to But can you imagine give you a rundown. <laughs> I'm so bad at this stuff. And someone's someone's gonna correct me, and that's totally fine. But in my brain, I'm like, can you imagine being like, "Yo, Jesus, I thought you died. Yeah, what are you doing walking?" Exactly. <laughs> and that person would be like, "Uh, dude, we. Uh, I thought you were dead. I thought the tomb was closed. That was a big ass rock. Right. Where did you come from? Is there a back door?" Oh my goodness. So yeah, sorry. No Easter case. Yeah, no, you're, you're all good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was thrilled to find this. And um, so this has been pretty much dubbed in everything that you look up on it. This is the Easter Sunday Massacre. Oh, they just, okay. And so it's actually around Easter. It happens on Easter okay. Sunday. Yep. Sad. Yeah. Very sad. I mean, any massacre is sad, but you know, it's like this is kind of supposed to be a day of. Well, it just sucks when it happens around a holiday or, you know, someone's birthday. I know. I'm like, dude. Kind of pick the day before or the day after. Aside for a day. Exactly. So many associations with, with the holiday. So this case involves a man, his name is James Rupert, and this takes place in Hamilton, Ohio. So a little bit about James. He was born on March 29th in 1934. He was one of two boys. He was the youngest of the two. He had an older brother. His name was Leonard Jr., named after their father. 
And James experienced a lot of abuse growing up in his childhood. Mm. His mom often referred to him as a mistake because she wanted a daughter. She didn't want a second boy. So there's kind of, you know, that jab to the heart right off the bat of not even feeling really that loved loved by your own mom. And within that abuse, his father was very quick tempered and violent. And he showed his two sons very, very little love and affection. So Mm. I can just imagine, you know, their childhood kind of being one of those where the parents can't get them out the door fast enough. It's like, just go outside and play and leave me alone. Yeah. Sort of thing. Not really like this affection of taking them under their wing. Yeah. No nurturing, no taking them under their wing, showing them life skills and stuff like that. Um, maybe the older brother felt a little bit of that. I mean, he was named after their father after all, but it, it, Kind of, for the most part, seems like a pretty loveless household. That's so sad. It is very sad. And to add even more sadness to that, when James was 12, their father passed away. Oh. And I couldn't find the exact details surrounding um, his father's death. But, you know, as those situations can play out, his older brother kind of adopted Uh the man of the household role. And... He kind of abused this new power, so to speak. He really picked on James, his younger brother, Mm. and just really was not very nice to him. Kind of became this bullying older brother. It wasn't this, oh, we lost our father. We now have a single mom, so I'm going to now nurture you and take you under my wing. It, It kind of went, sadly, you know, in a more negative direction. And not only was, you know, James feeling this bullying at home, but he really struggled in school as well with bullying. He was smaller stature, kind of an easy target. He had very few friends. And, you know, I think we see that just play out a lot in childhood and adolescence and stuff like that, especially if you're someone of a smaller stature and maybe don't have the most confidence in the world. Right. You're an easy target for the bullies at school. Well, I mean, schools are, I mean, kids are relentless. Yeah. I mean, no matter, no matter your size. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And especially around this time too, you know, being 12 years old, he probably experienced it a little bit um, earlier than that age. But man, 12 is a rough year because that's like middle school. Yeah. Puberty, hormones, clicks are starting to develop Mm -hmm. and just all all of that kind of stuff. And when James was 16, it's so sad that he was so unhappy that he even attempted suicide. He tried hanging himself with a sheet, but he failed and he kind of chalked this up to him. Like just not being meant to live a very remarkable life. Yeah. To but, to survive uh, that. And it's kind of sad that he didn't look at that as maybe like the bottle half full. Right. But the bottle half empty. Like, man, I I, I feel so low in life that I can't even, oh, you know. It should have been like, no, I'm supposed to be here. It, exactly. Right. Exactly. Not, it's not my time to go. Right. Not look at it as the a failure of it, yeah. sort of thing. That's so sad. So young. Yeah. 
it all it always breaks my heart and I feel like we've talked about this in the past um you know your your scope of what is important in life is so narrow when mm-hmm. you're in your teenage years and when I hear yeah. of people feeling like that's their one and only path or one of their last options left in life. Oh, it just makes me want to grab them and just give them a big old hug and be like, you life is so much more than like this will pass. This will pass. Yeah. The school drama. Don't even worry about it. Cause probably everyone that's making fun of you right now is going to actually end up being a failure in in their in their adult years i feel like you see the people that kind of like float through the middle or even at the bottom of the of the social tier end up really excelling right in adulthood so because they seem to be observing and taking in information and studying those around them you know Mm -hmm. and taking in those life lessons of more than just being superficially just involved with other people at that right. age. Or yeah. yeah, like superficially successful. Yeah. Kind of. And helps mm-hmm. you build this resilience and that yes. thicker skin is only going to make you be able to endure more of oh, we just always want to grow Real up life. so fast to be adults. Yeah. But <laughs> you gotta um, you know, you use the tools of what you're given. Yeah getting getting there and speaking of that as he grew older James would just kind of end up being a smaller stature man he was about five six and 135 pounds so he was definitely on the smaller end of average for a man and people described him as being very modest bookish but also very helpful and quiet but his his relationship with his brother definitely did not improve at all as they became adults. He did end up kind of, I guess, kind of living like kind of a sad life and his Mm. resentment, you know, for his brother just maintained. And it just seemed like he never quite brought himself out of that sadness of, of his upbringing He did end up going to college, but he flunked out after only two years. He would end up, though, getting a job as a draftsman, which when I looked that up, it's basically somebody who like draws up plans and sketches for things like machinery or structures. So not an architect, but kind of like you're... I guess engineer, kind of an engineer in a way, having that mind to put bits and pieces and things together to come up with these sketches for plans. Maybe it was kind of like a rough draft sort of thing. Like you present something like that. So he did end up getting a job doing that, but he would find himself unemployed by 1975. Um, I don't know exactly his age when he first got that job, but he did end up losing it. And, Again, to add insult to injury, his brother would end up earning a degree in electrical engineering and was very, very successful. And throughout their adolescence, he, you know, really excelled in sports. So you see this huge um, degree of separation of success, bunny, bunny ears success, you know. He was kind of in the shadow of, or his brother's shadow, kind of. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Absolutely. 
And with also being in that shadow, his older brother Leonard would end up marrying one of the very few girlfriends that James ever had in what? his life. Fucking Leonard. I know. Just what a dick. Like there's not more, I don't know how small their town was that they grew up in, right? but there's not more girls that you could have, oh, you know, chased after you had to go after one of the few. And it kind of sounds like his older brother was just like that kind of person though, yeah. you know, to kind of rub it in his face. And they would end up going forward to have eight kids together. God, no, so he really rubbed it in. He, yeah. <laughs> Not only am I going to Mr. Steal Your Girl, but I'm going to procreate eight times over. You know we at least had sex eight times. Exactly. <laughs> at least. Damn, that's a lot of kids. Dude. That's a lot of kids. A lot of kids. I was um, seeing my massage therapist the other day, yeah. and we were just talking about, you know, how exhausting life can be yeah. having kids. And the chiropractor at the clinic is one of 16. <gasps> Damn. One of 16. And I think he's one of the That's youngest. That's a whole soccer team and some bench. Dude. That is like. At least half a football team. At least. <laughs> yeah, you literally have a whole soccer team. And I guess he yeah. grew up like, you know, in the in the 70s in like North Dakota on a farm. And so it's like, oh hey, you just keep having God. kids when you're living in that type of situation. Because the more hands you have, the more help you oh have on the farm. My God. And, you know, by the time he's born, his oldest sibling is old enough to basically be a parent figure, kids, yeah. you know, but I'm just like, damn, 16. And like, none of them are multiples. It's like 16 individual individual. That's so many. So many. Oof. I know when she told me that I was like, I, a, my vagina hurts <laughs> thinking about having to push out 16 <laughs> children. And that idea is like unimaginably exhausting. <laughs> I love, oh I love that there are people out there in the world that love to have that many children, but I couldn't do it. Sorry. We're weird tangent. But when she told me 16, would, my, my brain no. exploded a little bit. I would never recover financially if I did that. Ever. No, <laughs> no, you would have to be so self-sufficient and like yeah. on a homestead to. Oh yeah. Which I, it basically sounds the, like what they had, I but mean, yeah. yeah, just, just crazy. So, sorry, back to the story. You know, James would continue to watch his brother just thrive in life. Leonard had a great job with General Electric. He had this wife. He had this whole family. And here's James sitting at 41 years old, living at home with his mom still. Oh, okay. Yeah. And mom is not too keen on this. I mean, it doesn't really sound like she gave James a whole lot of love from oh, the get-go. Right. That's right. And here she is having her 41-year-old son still living at home with her because he hasn't really managed to make a whole lot of right. himself in, in his life. And so she's frustrated with his inability to keep a job. And James kind of started drinking quite a bit. So, yeah. you know, you've got this pretty unmotivated person living under your roof. And uh, understandably, that is frustrating. Sure. But, you know, mom, you could always just like kicked him yeah. to the curb and like, sorry, just you got pull the nest you got to figure it out. Yeah. But 
that was their situation. I swear I've seen that geo where like the baby mom or the, the mama bird pushes the little baby bird out mm-hmm. like you better fly. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta force them to they spread just, their wings. They just got, spread your wings, the wind will catch you. Yep, it sure will. You will be fine. And James ended up also being in debt to his brother. And I think maybe he oh, owed no. his mom some money as well. But at one point they had, um, or at least his brother had let him borrow so, so much money after he had lost what little he had in the stark, in the stock market crash oh. of like 1973, 1974. Um. So, you know, they lend him all, you know, whatever sum of yeah. money he's unemployed, unable to, you know, just sounds like this really like resentful, oh. spiteful situation, situation, family dynamic, definitely not the health, the healthiest, but Kind of like we were saying, you know, by this point, after he had been lent and couldn't pay back so much money, James' mom did get frustrated enough that she did threaten to kick him out, but yeah. never really followed through. Pulled the plug on that. <laughs> yeah. The the whole owing the money thing was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. So over the years, we start to see James's behavior kind of start to deteriorate. It's understandable that he kind of slid into a pretty deep depression, unemployed, drinking heavily. And about a month before this whole massacre took place, James had gone into a shop um, where he was buying some ammunition for his guns and was said to have um, inquired about like some silencers. Okay. So he's noted to having done that. And then on March 29th, 1975, so this would have been the year that he lost his job. That's right. Okay. And it was his 41st birthday. He was seen doing target practice along the banks of the great Miami river in Hamilton, Ohio. And he was shooting tin cans with his 22 pistol and his 22 rifle. And allegedly that same night, James went out to his regular spot, this, Um, cocktail lounge the 19th hole cocktail lounge and he was seen there chatting with an employee by the name of wanda bishop i'm imagining she was like a cocktail waitress there or something like that and she claims that james had confided in her and was telling her about how frustrated he was with his mom's demands about um you know you need to pay back this money you're you don't have a job you know i'm gonna kick you out if you can't kind of you know pull your weight in in this situation. Like he was um, complaining about his mom's nagging or something. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And he evidently told her quote that he needed to solve the problem. And he ended up leaving the bar around 11 PM that night and would return later, kind of more closer to when the bar was shutting down and Wanda approached him. And I don't think that she, like had an idea of what he meant by like that he needed to solve the problem. But she asked him, she was like, Hey, did you go fix that problem that you, that you needed to? And he told her, no, not yet. And he ended up staying at the bar until they closed at two 30 that morning. So he never really went and did anything that we know of. He just left the bar at 11 and returned a couple hours later. But this, just kind of shows to me maybe like some premeditation. Oh, for sure. The wheels are starting to turn. Exactly. Yeah. He's at least sitting there very angry. Right. And 
you know, maybe pondering about what his next move could taking care of could the problem, be. huh? Taking care of the problem. Yeah. So the next day, March thirtieth, nineteen seventy-five. This is Easter Sunday. Okay. And it was like. Any normal Easter Sunday, the whole family, his mom, his brother, his wife, their kids, they all went to church that day. Um, Leonard brought their whole family back to their moms afterwards. They, you know, were doing the normal Easter stuff, Easter egg hunt, preparing a meal of sloppy Joe's. Um, That wouldn't be my first choice for a meal. I mean, I think you what you traditionally have like ham and deviled eggs, eight mouths to feed. So. Exactly. Sloppy Joe's it is. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And I'm sure that was probably one of, and still is, one of the cheapest mass-produced meals to, you know, make for a a party of that size. And the age range of Leonard's kids ranged from 4 to 17 years old. Okay. And while the family was enjoying the festivities, James was upstairs in his room sleeping off that night of drinking. Oh, okay. Being okay. at the bar. So, so he, he missed out on church. He missed yeah. out. He's starting to miss out on food. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. And around 4 p.m., James woke up and he loaded Damn. a 357 Magnum, <gasps> two 22 caliber handguns, and a rifle, and he went downstairs. He would later tell a psychiatrist that his intention was to go out shooting that day. He first went into the kitchen where his mom, brother, and his sister-in-law were hanging out, cooking food and everything. And James would tell that same psychiatrist that his brother turned to him and asked him, how's the Volkswagen? I don't know the history behind that question, but it sounds like James took it as some sort of an insult. That was the car that James drove. So maybe it was like not a very good car or not a good purchase and was just kind of this side snarky question for his brother to ask about this car. And obviously seemed like a pretty sensitive subject because at that point in time, he shot Leonard Jr. in the head. Oh, shit. And then turned and shot his sister-in-law, Alma. Wow. His mom turns, lunges at him to try to stop him from what he's doing. And he shot her once in the head and twice in the chest. And at this point, James Damn. is out of his mind. He then makes his way to the living room and picked off his nieces and nephews <gasps> one by one. Shut up. And he killed the entire family. What? His nieces and nephews. Um, there was Leonard the third, who was 17, Michael, who was 16, Thomas, 15, Carol, who was 13, Anne, 12, David, 11, Teresa, 9, and then the youngest was a boy named John, and he was only four years old. Wow. It, it, I wonder if he started by, with the oldest. Well, you know, with the older kids. The ones that yeah. could potentially fight back? Maybe. Sounds like it was indiscriminate, but just... Holy shit, all the I kiddos. Know. I mean, uh, one thing to take out your brother and your mom, who you have sure. hard feelings towards, and maybe your sister-in-law because she's your ex-girlfriend, but then to carry on that rage and... To just pick off your young nieces and nephews one by one. 
it's just just crazy. Just just truly wild. And after he shot each family member, he even went around and shot them all one more time to no. make sure that he had completely finished no. the job. What the hell? I mean, who who does that? And and later on we'll talk about this. He 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 tries to plead insanity throughout his trial. But if you, to me, if you have the wherewithal to not only just do that, but then to come back around and shoot again to make sure that everyone is truly dead, you kind of know what you're doing at that point in time, in my opinion. You at least know what you're doing the second time around. Exactly. The first time around, not that I understand it, but you're seeing red. Exactly. Could have just been a, a pure rage blackout. Sure. But to go back around and, you know, that's, that's... That had to be at least a reload or a switch of guns. Absolutely. Because that's 11 people, but Alma was shot twice. Mm-hmm. Mom was shot twice. So that's... Yeah, Mom was shot three times. Oh, so three, four, five, six, plus the eight. That's 14 rounds. That's at least two guns right there. Right. And I do, I believe, have it in here somewhere where they talk about exactly how many rounds he had fired during that whole massacre. And it said that the massacre took less than five minutes to complete. Oh, my God. One source claims that it only took him two minutes. I don't know who comes up with these time frames, but no matter which way you look at it, five or two that is incredibly fast, but I will say that two minutes is a lot longer than people think it is. Sure. I mean, you think about how long it feels like to run a minute on a treadmill. Oh, well, yes. And then, and then <laughs> damn, you hit me right where it fucking hurts, Bree. Yes, I know what that feels like. And then <laughs> forever doubling that, you know, sure. it's, like, it's like, what's longer, a treadmill minute or a microwave minute? Yeah. You know, it's like. It's it's a lot longer than you people know, think. It's weird how people's perception of time is different and um, recollection of time is different because, like, at least in my job, you know, I ask someone, well, how long were you waiting at the light for? For sure. You wouldn't believe how many people say two or five minutes. And I'm like, okay. All right, listen, John, let's count this out loud. Exactly. (laughs) One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. And they're like, oh, no, it's three seconds. I was like, see how you went from two minutes to three seconds? For (laughs) sure. For sure. So two minutes is plausible. Totally plausible. As far as like the amount of shots being shot, you can do that in a minute. Exactly. But I'm sure putting into account like walking around, either switching guns or switching clips Mm -hmm. so yeah that two to five range seems right yeah it's it it's more than achievable i mean right realistically so within that quick massacre james had a pretty deadly shot the only sign of a struggle in the whole house was one overturned trash can it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of time for anyone to really fight back so oh I think that he, you know, truly like like a fair game, you know, with the little bullseyes, yeah. just like pick them off just one by one. Well, if he didn't wake one. up till 4 p.m., the kids are 
tired from church. Mm-hmm. They've probably already been running around getting their Easter eggs. Exactly. They've probably they're already on they're probably on a sugar crash right now. Yeah. From chocolate and candy. Sure. So I can imagine if they're are they all in the living room, it sounds mm-hmm. like. So all the bigger kids and the smaller ones are all just now chilling in the living room. Yeah. They are literally fishing a barrel for him. Exactly. And probably trying to figure out what the hell is going on hearing the first initial shots happening in the kitchen. So they don't think, oh, it's a gunshot. Exactly. So, yeah, there was did not appear to be much of a sign of struggle in, in the house. And after all this happened, James sat in the house for three hours And then he called the police on himself and he waited for them just inside the front door to let them in and for them to walk in and just see this slaughterhouse. And there was one source that said that within those three hours, he spent two of them laying on the couch. And so I just picture this scene of him laying in the living room like a and the scene around him just being like. A Quentin Tarantino chaos, like you know Django at the yeah. end of the movie when it's just that huge gun battle and there's just fucking blood and yeah. stuff everywhere. But he laid there contemplating suicide, but he considered suicide to be such a mortal sin, and he didn't want that to be his last act. The fuck? So. Oh my god. It wasn't bad enough that you just murdered eleven people. That that wasn't <laughs> Yeah, like that won't send you to That hell. was okay being your last act. You didn't want you taking your own life to be Man. the last thing that you did. And it truly was a slaughterhouse. I mean, you can imagine just the amount of blood that yeah. would come from a massacre like that. Until we know Leonard was a headshot, right? Yeah. Do we know if the kids were the same? So from my understanding, what I read is that he shot all the kids. And then when he went back and shot everybody again, if they hadn't been shot in the head, that was the shot that he hit them with. No way. Just. So, yeah. Crazy. Just so much. So much. And there was so much that it was dripping through the floorboards into the basement. Oh, my God. And allegedly today, those stains can still be seen in the wood grain of the house. Wow. I can't believe that the wood floors themselves have not been entirely removed removed and replaced. But there, there was enough. And I'm sure at that, I mean, I don't know, in the 70s, you maybe had some good, like, sealant for wood floors, but maybe only if you had the money to to have yeah. it done like that. But just completely soaked through and dripped into the basement. Damn. When this news hit the headlines of their community, those who knew James were absolutely shocked because he was this... Really, though? I, I... <laughs> were they? Allegedly. I mean... I mean, the story on the street is that they were shocked. It kind of see. I guess they didn't know the the how upset he was and in real life and everything that was going on. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't really seem like it. Sounds like he had a lot of friends. He right. confided in this one cocktail waitress, and it just really sounds like everyone thought that he was this quiet 
bookish. Gotcha. You know, very unassuming, not very memorable man. But how often do we see the unassuming, the ones that end up carry out, you know, crimes like this? Too often. (laughs) Way too often. Way too often. Check on those friends. Exactly. The police did recover his four weapons and report that he fired a total of 35 rounds. Oh, shit. So that's more than once over and once over again. Exactly. Yeah. Because 11 people. Some of the kids were double on the first try. Or some missed shots could have happened. The math isn't mathing one each, though. Like once over and once over again. I know. That's yeah, that's so um, if everyone was shot twice, that's 22. Sure. And then you add the extra for Alma and the extra for mom. Mm -hmm. That's 16. Mm -hmm. So you have to either reload the clip. Right. Or if you have another clip handy already full, you just, you know, pop out another clip. So just the thought of like him having to stop and like reload. Right. Or change the clip out. So we know he had a 22 rifle, a 22 handgun and a 358. Uh, 357. 357. Yeah. Sorry. So, um, I was thinking 38. So 357. Um, so that's at least three weapons. Mm-hmm. So he probably used all three then. And he had his rifle. So he had his 357 Magnum, two 22 caliber handguns and a rifle. Yeah. <sighs> so there, there had to have been a reload that happened with. Either reload or he used all three. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Depending on the clips, but give or take. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he's waiting. He's waiting for the police in the house when they arrive. I mean, he's obviously immediately arrested, taken into custody, and he's charged with 11 counts of aggravated homicide. Wow. Despite waiting at the house for the police, James was very uncooperative and refused to answer any questions. I mean, it's like, okay, dude, obviously, obviously you did this. Right. But he was uncooperative nonetheless. And he made it clear from the beginning that he was going to be going with an insanity defense. One that's truly insane. I don't feel like knows from the get go. Right. Okay. I'm going to go into this. If you're insane, do you know you're insane? Exactly. If you're insane, do you know you're insane? Right. That's weird. And that's and that's where my question lies with that. It sounds like him not wanting to talk just comes down to him like I'm holding that power and I'm not gonna give you the why behind it. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. keep that to myself so I can hold on to it. He just he just wanted to hold on to that power of why himself. Exactly. And I don't know the yeah. why comes down to resentment to, you know, those kids could have been his kids because mm-hmm. he was the one that once dated Alma mm-hmm. and his family. Oh God! Exactly. Ugh, such a shit why. Well, and at that time, the prosec- the prosecutors believe that part of his why for his insanity plea is that his hopes was that he was going to win with that, be released, get cured whatever he meant by that and then he would be the one to inherit three hundred thousand dollars from his family for the um worth of the estate from his mom and i believe his brother's estate as well that's i know that was the 70s but that's not a lot of money it's not 
But for someone who's unemployed, I guess so. And really looking at nothing, $300,000 so. doesn't sound too shabby. Sure, but fucking 11 family members for that? Right. And I I don't believe that that was purely his motive of this massacre. Sure. I think oh, no, that no, he no. definitely had some screws loose. I don't think that he had enough loose to get away with an insanity plea, no. but it, it it was definitely a motivating factor for him to hold on sure. to that to like maybe I can walk get away with this, it. Mm-hmm. I might as well get some money so I can restart over. Exactly. Yeah. So heading into James's trial, or we should really say trials, they were held in Hamilton, Ohio, in front of a three-judge panel. These judges found him guilty of 11 counts of murder and sentenced him to life in prison. One of the judges was convinced of his insanity plea, but it wasn't enough to override the other two judges, which I was a little bit surprised that it didn't have to be a unanimous decision like it is with a jury. But the whole initial trial was declared a mistrial. And a second one was held about 125 miles away north in Finlay, Ohio. And this was because it was decided that he didn't receive a fair trial because it was held in his hometown. So a very biased panel of three judges. You kill 11 people. Your hometown. There's no way that's not going to shock the hell out of your hometown. And And everybody's coming for you sure you know or has an opinion know somebody that knows somebody that knew the person exactly the web just gets cast it's so big totally yeah so in july of 1975 only a few months later he was found guilty again in a second trial and he was given the same 11 life sentences so james goes to prison And he files for an appeal in 1982, and his appeal was granted. He had a defense attorney. His name was Hugh D. Holbrook, and he was truly convinced that James was insane to commit this massacre. And he even personally funded the hiring of some expert psychiatrists from all over the country. He was so convinced that he was literally insane. He is crazy. Right, (laughs) right. Because a sane person wouldn't do this. Exactly. Did he not understand what he was doing? Did he not understand what he was doing was wrong? Right. Those are the questions that you kind of face when when you're looking at that. And to be so convinced that he personally funded these psychiatrists, I mean, that kind of says a lot in, I don't know, maybe the manipulation manipulation that right or james played into (laughs) the attorney is crazy too Mm -hmm. (laughs) so getting this appeal did end up working ever so slightly in james favor he again went in front of another three judge panel and they found him guilty of two counts of first degree murder and that was for his mom and for his brother only And then they found him not guilty of the other nine murders by reason of insanity. So their theory sounds like he knew what he was doing when he was going after his mom and his brother. And there was the history of the hate and the poor relationship and everything. And then from there, just lost all self-control and just took out the rest of the family. 
they were just there kind of thing. Collateral damage or, you know. That's so terrible. Whatever. I think it's terrible, too. But nonetheless, he did receive the two life sentences for his mom and his brother. And evidently, from 1972 to 1976, the death penalty had been suspended in the U.S. as a result of a pending U.S. Supreme Court decision. So when James was given that final um, sentencing... Or, you know, when he was being sentenced in 1975, the death penalty was never on the table for his crimes. Oh, so that's just, very lucky for him. Yeah. So just in case anyone has any questions about that, you know, he was found guilty of, you know, 11 Because the sheer murders. volume would be like, that's eh, the perfect candidate. Exactly. Um, now why it wasn't an option on the table in 1982, I don't really have an answer for that. Cause that was kind of his final sentencing right. were the two life ones for his mom and his brother. So Edna, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for mispronouncing this name. I'm going to say it's Alliger, Edna Alliger, who was Alma's mother, James's <laughs> sister-in-law, had some choice words about James, and she says that, I sometimes think I'd like to string him up on the cross like Christ and cut a little piece off at a time. I'd want him to bleed slowly, but if you put that in the paper, people will wonder what kind of a Catholic I am. (laughs) I'm sorry, I love this quote so much because it truly sounds like something that my grandma would say. (laughs) If anything like that ever happened to our family, she is such this nice Catholic woman, but I could 1000% hear this statement coming out of her mouth. And it would shock you a little bit, but you're like, but you're you're right. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm going to have to go to confession after saying this because I feel really guilty that those words just came out of my mouth. And Edna also blames James for the death of her husband, who three years after Alma's death woke up at 4 a.m. on Easter Day and he shot himself. On Easter, too? On on Easter, I imagine just being such a grieving father three years after losing his daughter and he took his own life. And eight grandchildren. And eight grandchildren, yeah. On the same day that they were all killed. Oh, no. And then a fun fact, Edna also blames James for the death of one of the jurors from the 1982 trial, who during the trial died of a heart attack. Oh, shit. (laughs) So she's like, he needs to be found guilty for 13 murders, not just 11. Damn. Go ahead and throw my husband's in there. And then the juror that had a heart attack during the trial. I know it is pretty wild. And I don't know the specifics of all of that. I don't know if being on the on the jury was so stressful for this individual, but yeah, just kind of crazy that those two also happened throughout this whole thing. Super weird. So James's prison time, he was sentenced to be incarcerated in the Allen Oakwood Correctional Institute. Dude, that brain frog is busy tonight. (laughs) It's so heavy. Maybe I've had too much coffee and that's what's happening. But the Allen Oakwood Correctional Institution in Lima, Ohio, he was first up for parole in 1995, but was denied, understandably. He was also up for parole again in 2005 and was denied for that. And then his last attempt at parole was in April of 2015. 
His next parole hearing was set to happen in April of 2025, but on June 4th of 2022, this last year, James died of natural causes at the age of 88 at the Franklin Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. Damn, he made it to 88? Yeah. I know. Damn. Which is... I mean, that, that's long for, for really anybody, Anyone. honestly. Yeah. Especially living out, you know, the majority of your life. Incarcerated. In, incarcerated. So in this aftermath of this whole massacre, it goes down in American history as the deadliest shooting to ever occur in a private home. Oh. Which I thought was kind of a, a fun fact. That is. And I guess I don't know of any more off the top of my head that would trump that. But I guess I was like kind of a little bit surprised that it goes down as the biggest one. But 11 is still a lot of people. So not not discounting that in a private home. So not just a mass shooting in general. Obviously, we know of others that, you know, more victims have... um... Like Heaven's Gate, but I don't know if that was a private home in the total of that. Mm. Is that is that the one of the cult? Yes. That wore the Nikes? Yes. The okay. Cortez. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many that was, and that might have been like in a church building. Sure. Or like some kind of compound yeah i I commercial building exactly i and i think that it was something like that so So maybe would not have that's a crazy fact yeah yeah i found that to be really really interesting i can't think of anything else i i really can't either outside of something that would maybe be cult related right but everything that's so many Mm -hmm. i can think of like maybe five ish like the christmas i was gonna say yes but that was not only, but I think four, like five passed away, I think, maybe. Well, it was the mom and dad, and then only one sister of the five survived. So six. Yeah. And the girl at the door survived. And the nephew passed away in the fire, so that would be seven. seven. So still, you'd have That's to have five more to, to, to beat it. To beat it, exactly. All of the victims are buried in Arlington Memorial Gardens in Cincinnati, Ohio, and the house a year later was open to the public and all of the contents were auctioned off. I'm surprised that anyone would even come and I, who knows, maybe, ha- maybe really they had some, because <laughs> no, not really, actually, stupid shit. <laughs> and they may have had some really cool stuff. So, yeah. you know, um, but the house did get cleaned up. They recarpeted. Um, so they carpeted over the wood floors where those blood stains were, and the house did eventually get rented out. And it was rented out to families who were new to the area. Of course it was. Of course. I mean, if, if you live there, I don't know why you would choose to rent this place out knowing what happened. So they sought out new families to the area, and these families ended up moving out of the house very quickly because they claimed they were hearing voices and other unexplained noises. They would see lights turn on and off, doors would slam, and thudding footsteps would come down the stairs. Over the years, multiple families have found themselves moving in and out of the residence, and then it was abandoned for several years. 
but evidently the most recent family to have lived there has not reported any of this activity that these previous families had reported. So maybe the ghosts are finally resting. And I have a theory. I don't know how long this family has lived there if they moved in past 2022 when when James died but I was thinking maybe now that James has finally passed on now the other ghosts that are at rest or were haunting this residence are finally at rest which would be kind of crazy I mean shoot it would make sense they were uneasy Mm -hmm. oh that gave me chills yeah so I love so much energy 11 people. Oh my gosh. Well, and, and so many innocent lives. Oh. And then, yeah. I mean, kiddos and it mm-hmm. all happens so quickly. Yeah, no. It's... And then just like the resentful energy of, of the core family. I, I mean, I know I can't, I don't want to say I can't believe it, but it's hard to, you know, you see other houses get demolished after right. something tragic happens. In right. Them just because, People don't want to live there or mm-hmm. what have you. But if uh, I guess they kept it up and yeah, and people were renting it out. Exactly. Just the same. Right. Weird. I know. I love that this had that little touch of spooky at the end yeah. of it for renting it out to these new and unassuming families. It kind of made me think of like Amityville horror. Yeah. You know, the house is still there. Oh, speaking of, um, Mackenzie just texted me the other day that, um, the John Bonet house went for sale. Oh, no way. It's on sale. I think it's like $6 million or something Crazy. like that. Crazy. No, and I told her, I was like, that would be the first thing I buy if I bought the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> and it wouldn't be, but I'm one of the, my first splurges. And I was like, you know, it's, it's just a crazy house, and it's a beautiful yeah. house. Oh, I'm sure. And something tragic did happen in there, mm-hmm. but our morbid curiosity, at least for me, will always win. Sure. Will always win. No doubt. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that because w- that's in Colorado, right? In Boulder? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So house. A, a beautiful house and such a beautiful yeah. place to live. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that it's not going for more than that, honestly, because I think Boulder is relatively expensive to yeah. live regardless i mean it's a cute little college town but if you're trying to reside there definitely not cheap so that is our easter sunday massacre you guys that is a that is a crazy story it it is a pretty crazy story just to watch somebody <sighs> completely lose their shit and i mean Obviously, the satisfactor, the the kids falling victim in in this case. But um, yeah, just some kind of fun facts along the way with with the the haunted rumors of the house and it being the deadliest shooting in a private home in our American history, at least. So And, and it's weird because if someone had asked me, you know, what is the biggest mass shooting inside of a residence? Mm hmm. I probably would have thought of like Heaven's Gate, which is right, weird. Right. And on top of that, almost dad three years later, that's heartbreaking. Seriously. I know when I read that part, I was like, oh my gosh, her poor mom. I mean, she lost her daughter and then all of her grandchildren. And then her husband. And then her husband. And I can only imagine how difficult those three years were for all of them and her probably watching her husband being in a very, very poor state of mind and depressed and everything. So 
there's your little uh, holiday story for Easter. Thank you. You're welcome. So I, <laughs> this is how weird I am, right? And Mackenzie knows this about me too. I love it. She sent me the Zillow. She found the Zillow for the house and Ooh. she sent it to me. <laughs> it's going for $6,950,000. It's five bedroom, eight baths holy shit i never understood that why you need more bathrooms baths, than bedrooms yeah. um and it's a total of six thousand nine hundred ninety-eight square feet okay that's huge it is in boulder um and it only sits on 0.26 acre lot which is like a quarter acre lot yeah so really tight you don't really have a lot of um, right dog space but yeah do you have a seven thousand square foot house here's the pictures here's a zillow oh my gosh that is it is a beautiful beautiful and the amount of windows oh my goodness there's so much natural light coming in and then you get to the basement pictures and of course that's where um or was it was it a basement or a cellar where she was uh but basement cellar basement cellar kind of thing (laughs) yeah um totally renovated but look at the upholstery in the basement oh my oh my gosh <laughs> i was telling mckenzie that's like if your grandma was obsessed with tiger king that would be her upholstery a hundred percent oh my gosh that is hilarious yeah you did so much to like fix up the rest of the house and what? make it look all modern and then you left that furniture in there well and see i don't know if that or brought it in i don't know if that's from right early when this all happened sure um but anywho that's i mean seven million dollars it's probably gonna go for more because it's a beautiful house it's absolutely gonna go for more and you know i'm not even mad at 0.26 of an acre that's way more than i have your house too and you live in boulder and so you're (laughs) surrounded by endless outdoor activities probably just minutes from where you live and it's i mean it's gated Right. Um, but yeah, that's the house. It's for sale. If anyone has $7 million and wants to buy it and invite me over, please. Yeah. Let's do that. We'll have brunch. <laughs> I love that that's on Zillow so you can see the pictures. We'll have brunch on a Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. Saying. Oh my gosh. No, count me out. Count me out. I will come over for brunch as soon as the Ouija board comes out. I will see you later. <laughs> I'll come back with some holy water and douse the, oh my God. douse the room. She, she's like, you would really buy for some. I was like, yeah, I would do like a air, like a BNB, a hundred percent. There's so many damn rooms. Oh my gosh. For I sure. I would just do a BNB. And then if people wanted to stay overnight in the basement, that's them. Yeah. You would definitely charge more for the basement. I would just say electric candles. Can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do anything that involves candles, please make sure they're electric yeah, candles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that that's cool that it's on Zillow yeah. to be able to see all that. So, yeah, happy but, Easter, you guys. Happy Easter. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, again, hope everyone had a good Easter. Do we have anything else to report on this rainy Sunday, Monday? Nothing, nothing else. I think we're good. Awesome. Well, don't be a stranger, and we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.